Anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 397 now of the Ron and Don Show, and oh yeah, you know it. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, don't forget Les Schwab. The spring tire sale is going on right now. Also, today's show is sponsored by Mitch Loan. Yeah, if you need a new loan, uh, Mitch will give you one half percent back on the value of your loan. The average back to you is three thousand dollars in Kentucky. Yeah, a lot of people reaching out. They want to sit down with Ron and Don. What is a Ron and Don sit down? Yeah, we talk about your real estate goals, your real estate journeys. You could be downsizing, right sizing, upsizing. Maybe you're moving out of state. Or we had a deal recently where a dad, and you talk about this all the time, a dad wanted to help his daughter stop being a renter. And so instead of waiting till he passed away to give her some money, gave her some money right now uh, to make her real estate dreams come true. Yeah, there you go. Hey, coming up with the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about uh, bubble trouble. People say, are we in a real estate bubble? And if we are, we've got to have bubble trouble. Problem with bubbles sometimes, you don't know you're in a bubble until... Boom, until they pop. So we're going to pop like we did back in 2006, 7, and 8. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I look back over the last 100 years of bubble trouble in real estate, and I found out some really interesting things, you guys, that I can't wait to share with you. Also, Bill Gates just got done reading an exhaustive article uh, last night about him. I am fascinated by him, and he says he is deeply grieving right now. Uh, I wonder if a man like that can even deeply grieve. He also said that he has never gotten COVID, and he doesn't think he will. And I'll tell you why. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. His and hers living. If you're older and you have a partner, I'm just wondering, do you ever get to the point where, like, you know what? This relationship is okay. It's not perfect. Uh, It is not Mr. or Mrs. McDreamy, but it seems to kind of work. And so we're just going to kind of ride off into the the sunset together, I guess. And at some point though, people, and this always amazes me. And it seems like when you get that empty nest syndrome, I always see couples online. In fact, I've seen three couples this month where the kids left. And then all of a sudden people feel like they have to go out on social media and make some kind of an announcement that they are no longer together. And it seems like that's kind of the moment where people decide I'm either staying with my partner or there's got to be a second chapter or a second act to my life. And that's going to be without this particular partner. This is kind of an interesting story, Ron, because this is kind of a hybrid of, of two people that have figured out a way to stay together and yet celebrate the differences yeah and i think it was in the new yorker i found this fascinating it, it was a couple like you said a little bit you know old, on the older side what though the woman in the couple was a uber crafter slash collector and, and i'm talking about like she would have models of city blocks 
She collects all sorts of different items, uh, and that's just the way she likes to live. It's very cluttered, but not in a. It's organized, but there's just a lot. Yeah. Her partner, on the other hand, not that way. Doesn't want to collect stuff. Wants to keep things pretty sparse. Likes to be more minimalist. Likes things to be in order. And so, but they really like each other. It's an opposite opposite attract situation where he likes that side of her and she likes that side of him. Problem is when they try to share the same space, they drive each other nuts in that regard. Yeah. So the solution they came up with is his and hers adjoining apartments. So they can be together when they want to, and then they're never more than just right next door to each other. And they find that this really works for them. I've heard of a different version of this where someone actually built a house and and they have two wings. So it's sort of a U-shaped house. And in the middle, there's are two there are two doors on the on the bottom of the U part. And if both doors are open, then it's it's open like you're saying to the other person feel free to come and go as you wish if one of the person closes a door there it's like hey nothing personal i just kind of want i want some i want some alone time right now and it's it's the language that they've developed where they don't take it personally they just now if the door stays closed for a week you know you, you got to you know figure out what you want need to talk about but i find this a really captivating and fascinating study like you said in relationship maybe you've been married and divorced or maybe you've been single for quite a while then you're like okay i i I would love to be with someone i would love to have another long-term relationship in my life at the same time it's like i'm not anxious to like move in with someone or have them move in with me um, I sort of have my place dialed in the way I like it. Yeah, I wonder how people make that tr- uh, transition. I've only ever lived with two people. I was married for a short period of time, for just a couple months, when I was 33. And I've shared uh, that story before about uh, what happened. And and for once, that wasn't my fault, you guys. And then I lived with a very dear friend of mine down in San Francisco. And, and, and we lived together for a couple of years. And she's still my very... In fact, she just texts me and we're going to go to a Pilates class. And I actually have met all her boyfriends and we go bike riding. And we've since since 1997, we've been totally platonic, uh, but a very, very uh, dear friend. And and what was interesting in living with her and what I really liked about living with her is we would plan and we would make dinner together every night. And it was fun to make dinner and we would share our days. And she did something completely different than I did. And sometimes we'd go to the gym and work out. Sometimes we'd ride bikes. Sometimes we'd go for a run. Sometimes we wouldn't and we'd do those things by ourselves or with other people. It's interesting because when I date now and someone comes over, I, I feel like I have to entertain the whole time. And I don't know, especially let's say that someone were to spend the night and it's the next day. It's like, okay, I'm going to make you breakfast, but then does this keep going? Like, do we, like, do I have to go to the gym with you now? Or do we have to go on a trail run together? We're going to like, like, I, I don't know when I, and I'm going to date myself here. I don't know when I get to stop being Julie McCoy, the cruise director. And I just get to kind of be hanging out in my own house. I haven't, I haven't figured that out. And that's one of the reasons why, like, like when my son's here, like I, I have to create structure for him, especially during the pandemic. You have, we have Charlie, the dog, you have to create structure for him. We're entrepreneurs. I have four different businesses. I have to create structure for myself. 
I don't feel like creating structure sometimes in a relationship. I just wish that somebody else would do that and kind of partake. And a lot of times I think it just lands on me. So I just rather not. So let me, in, in your <laughs> Does example, that make sense? It, it totally makes sense. Because people think I'm an extrovert and I am, but I am so much of an introvert. And I will tell you this, I do things alone all the time and I never get lonely. Like I, I, it's very rare. It's very rare that I get lonely and, and like, I love, love, love being around my son but I also love the time I have when I'm not around my son where I get to do the, the, the things where I can go and recharge. Like I went and did some shopping yesterday by myself and I had a ball by myself going shot like that, that recharges me. Uh, but I also love being with people and I love having breakfast and I, I love making dinner. So let me I, ask love, you this. I love having friends and going on trail runs and, and rehabbing and doing all those things too. But I, I have to have time alone. So it, it, I think about living with someone full time, and, and if I had to create structure for them in our relationship, it'd kill me. It let, would me just let me ask freaking, you this: It freaking kill me. You have a, a detached accessory dwelling unit in your backyard. Yeah. What if you met the right person, and one of you—I'm not going to say who either one—one one of you is in the cottage. I'd go live in the cottage in a minute. One of you's in I the love, cottage. I love that because it's the mini version of this house. It's one awesome. of you's in here. Yeah. And when, like the the, the couple I talked about. If you turn the light, the exterior light on, you're open for business. If it's off, you want some alone time. Do you think that that would work for you? You know, I thought about that. I dated a girl for a while, and she has a dog, and her dog, her dog attacked Charlie one time, and attacked Charlie over food, and it was really upsetting to me when this when this attack happened, and it was pretty violent. And I'm like, man, if we were ever going to be together, what would we do? Because we could never leave the dog and, and, and like, there's certain things that you could do where the dogs get along, but at some point that, that dog has some wiring that I'm not going to be able to fix. And, and, and that dog went right after Charlie's throat and, and, and Charlie is, doesn't do a great job at defending himself. He's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> he is. He's sitting on the floor right here. Just looking at us. Go, what do you, why, why you guys mention my name? What's going on? Is there a treat that's about to be bestowed upon me? Uh, but I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? If we went down this road of having a relationship, because all these other things I really like about her. It's like, if we went down this road of having a relationship, I have an ADU in my basement. And I'm like, well, you can't really put your girlfriend in the basement. You could, but I think there's <laughs> laws against that. <laughs> but maybe I would put myself in the basement and 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 maybe she'd live up here. Maybe, or, or uh, the... Or we could do that with the cottage as well. It's just the cottage that cranks and makes so much money. You have to. You got to make sacrifices. I, I mean, that cottage will make twelve thousand dollars this month. You gotta, so giving up twelve thousand dollars is a big what? ask. Because I have and the basement makes thirty five hundred dollars a month. The condo two floors up from mine, I believe, is going to be for sale. Yeah. So I thought about the same thing. It's like if I bought that, yeah. Then if I had like, you could just be two floors apart. It'd be amazing. Yeah, I just want to be somebody's mistress. <laughs> Whatever you do in your bedrooms up to you. Pal. When Andrea Mickelson needed to sell her Sammamish home, she was overwhelmed. There was no way that I could even begin to try to figure out what needed to be done. And then once had I figured that out, how I would get it done, who I would hire, what was needed to be done that I didn't even know about. Andrea had heard how Ron and Don go far above and beyond for their clients and how they were the ones for their job. 
The guys swooped in to take on what she says was just a ton of work, and work they did. It was magic behind the scenes, and Don led an amazing floor-to-ceiling makeover. When they finally went to market, Andrea couldn't believe what happened. So the first offer was at least two hundred thousand over the the asking price, and that was just unbelievable to me. She admits she was tempted to take that first offer, but the guys told her, "Hey, just hold on." And after all the offers poured in, Andrea says she did even better. They got four hundred and fifty thousand dollars over the asking price. Better. It was amazing. Andrea says she couldn't be happier, and she's already recommended Ron and Don to her. Friends and family for their real estate needs. I'm Andrea Mickelson, and thanks to Ron and Don, I got way more for my door. And if you want more for your door, just visit ronanddon.com. You're listening. To the- Ron and Don show. To the Ron and Don show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, let's sit down. The Ron and Don sit down.com. We'll find out if we're good partners. Also, if you need a loan, Mitch.loans. And also, if you need new tires, wheels, brakes, just need to check out your truck, your struts, whatever it is. Stop by Les Schwab Tire Center. Their spring tire sale is going on right now. Just read a pretty extensive article on Bill Gates. He fascinates me. And I know he fascinates all of us when we go by his house over on Lake Washington. And, and, and to me, when he built that house, it seems so big and lonely. And I talked to people that were involved in the construction of that house. And to build that house on Lake Washington, not only did you have to, well, pass a lot of security checks and background checks, but you'd have to do that every day. And they'd have over 200 workers go there for years, every single day on school buses. And I always wonder, because he started building that house before he married Melinda. In fact, I used to jet ski by his house, uh, and I loved his house over on Lake Sammamish. And he lived over on Lake Sammamish right on the water while he was building this house. And then, of course, he owns other homes in lots of different places. Uh, I thought it was interesting when he and Melinda uh, broke up. One of the first things she talked about is the fact that she did not like that house, that she hated that house, that she's glad to not be in that house. So I thought maybe he would end up selling his house. Uh, McCaw just put up uh, his house from uh, McCall Cellular, uh, $75 million. If they can sell it for $75 million over there in Lake Washington uh, and on the Puget Sound, that will be a, uh, I think it'll be a Pacific Northwest record at $75 million. But going back to Bill Gates, it sounds like in this article that I read, he's going to hang on to this house. He said he has interesting memories of his three kids growing up in that house. He misses his kids. Uh, he said he used to do the dishes, uh, and he enjoyed that part of sitting down, having a meal. He said he was meal. good at it. Yeah. He said I, don't he, know. I don't know if that takes a whole lot of skill. I'm he, pretty good at doing dishes. Yeah, he too. said he, he, he was good at doing dishes. He said he would marry Melinda all over again. Uh, he, they ask him about adultery and he won't cop to it. He just, he does say that having a relationship with Jeffrey Epstein was absolutely stupid. Uh, and he just kind of leaves it at that. And, and, and it sounds like is he is going to ride off in the sunset of his life. He misses his parents very much. And let's not forget it was Melinda and his parents that helped him begin to understand the power of his money and philanthropy and the good that he could do in the world. Uh, 
he is over. He is just over all the anti-vax memes. He hates it. He's never had COVID, but he says one of the reasons he and his family have never had COVID, he says, I fly around on my own private planes. I have private homes. I have a private staff. They say his staff loves him. And they love being around him. They love his curiosity wherever he goes. And I, and anytime he does an interview, I think it's, it's always different interviewers. They always say he has a bag of books. And in this particular interview they did in a hotel in New York city, he walked in with a bag of books right on time. He did his interview. And right when it was time to leave that interview, he got up and he just promptly, he promptly left. He does say that he's grieving right now, the loss of Melinda but he said he's not a crier. He doesn't emote a lot of emotion, uh, but he thinks somewhere deep inside himself, he may feel these emotions. Well, he was also grateful that she has agreed basically to, to, to still work with him. So they famously had um, mirrored offices. I mean, the, the shape and size of the offices were mirrored at the Bill and Melinda Gates Center right here uh, down by the Space Needle. And they would move back and forth freely. And I don't know if they kept the same offices, but he's like, hey, we're still, the foundation is still important to us. And one of the things I found interesting is when they were divvying up the billions uh, and billions and billions of dollars, both of them, it sounds like, had the mentality of, our goal hasn't changed to give most of this away anyways. And so we're going to split these assets. I still intend on giving most of it away. She has said that she still intends on giving most of it away. So it didn't become this, it sounds like, and maybe it did, but it didn't become the thing that you hear about so often in divorces where like you're fighting over the dishes or you're fighting over a television or fighting over a piece of furniture. Cause they were like, Hey, we're set. There's no universe where we're not set. Um, we're going to give most of it away anyway. So let's just divvy it up. And I found that to be refreshing. It was an interesting profile in a lot of ways. And you and I talking off air about this is like, okay, Bill Gates, there's been a lot of speculation in terms of, is he sort of robotic? Like, does he have the same suite of emotions that the rest of us do like, is there like tinges of Asperger's or autism spectrum stuff where maybe he's, you know, his emotional IQ isn't, isn't what it should be. He definitely doesn't seem to be an empath. And they reference back to the, the beginning days of Microsoft where never took a day off, never took vacation. He memorized people's license plates so that he could walk through the parking lot and he would know who was there and who wasn't there. And he would tally that in his mind where it's like, Oh, so-and-so is not here today. Uh, because even if there was two, you know, Toyota land cruisers, he memorized the license plate to like, that's Don's. Well, Bill Gates was a dick and so was Steve jobs. And if you read the book about jobs, uh, Steve jobs admits that he is when he took a walk with Walter Isaacson, Steve jobs, he said, I want you to write a book about me. And Walter Isaacson said, okay, I get to have access to everyone, including your daughter and Bill Gates. And I'm going to talk to everybody about you. He said, uh, no, you're not. And Walter Isaacson said, then I'm not going to write the book. And Isaacson has only written a couple books. So if you want to read his books, written a great book on Ben Franklin. But going back, when, when Jobs knew he was dying, he calls Isaacson. He said, let's go for a walk. And he says, okay, you can have access to everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. Part of that was the relationship with Gates. And you could see these ba- the battle that these two went through. And at the end of the book, uh, Steve Jobs is on his deathbed, literally, in this house that he had in Palo Alto, where he never locked the doors. 
he's in bed and Gates walks through the back door and he sits down with him. And I would encourage you to read it. The, the conversation that they have similar conversation happened with Paul Allen before Paul died. Uh, Paul was pissed off at Bill Gates for being a dick and for not giving him the credit for what he did at Microsoft. What's really interesting now is Gates pushes back on Microsoft. He said in this article, he says, you know, Microsoft is only 10 or 12% of my wealth, which I thought was very interesting because he owns most of the fire. He, he is the number one farm uh, baron in all of the United States and in Canada, in North America. Well, you think his bridge partner, Warren Buffett, has helped out with his investment strategy at all? Yeah, yeah. So, so, it's, so it's interesting because he doesn't want to just be remembered for Microsoft. He now has had this shift where it's like, okay, I'm not doing this philanthropy. I'm not going after measles and polio and COVID because my mom and dad said so or because Melinda encouraged me to do it. This has actually become part of the fabric of who he is. And I think this happens to all of us as we get older. When you have enough, you're like, okay, I spent my life accumulating things. I have enough. Now how do I give it away? Who do I help? And what's my legacy going to be? Yeah, this is a fascinating article. I would read it. I, I I have some people in my life that love to like come down really hard on Gates and they think that he is evil and they are suspicious of why does a software guy want to own he, all the he farmland? Evolved, he evolved. He, he, we, right, he, but they he, said, he, why, he, he why would he want to own all the farmland? Like, what's he trying to control? Well, you know what? You should, people should read why he owns all the farmland. There's a reason for that. That's a good reason. We'll see you on the other side. All right, you guys, a lot of people are switching to Mitch. That's right, Mitch.loans. You know what you find out, though? It's kind of interesting, and this happens to a lot of us. You haven't had your credit pulled in an awful long time. You pull the credit, and you find out, hey, there's some things on here that don't belong on here. Hey, before you refinance or before you go after that loan, it's really important to get underwritten first, and then that way, if you get in a competitive real estate deal, You've already dealt with the fact that, you know what? That charge from American Express wasn't your charge. You've already dealt with your credit report. That's why, Mitch, it is so important to get underwritten, right? It gives you a lot of leverage when you get into the real estate deal. It sure is, yeah. And that credit thing is huge because we have people all the time who come and we pull their credit and there's something that they just have no idea about, right? And we have a credit specialist on our team. I've seen most things. But this credit specialist will go in and fix it for you. And it's huge when it comes to buying later down the road. All right. He's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ronadon Nation. You get half a percent off of your mortgage fees when you say, hey, I'm with Ron and Don, and you buy that new house. Go to Mitch.loans right now for more info. That's Mitch.loans, NMLS 169-1573. All right, you guys, welcome back to the uh, Ron and Don Show. I was reading an article last night that said that there's uh, 15 markets where real estate is really slid. And they say one of those markets is here in Seattle. And I'm just like, what the hell are you talking about? Really slid. It is still very tough to go out there and buy a house. Inventory is still very tough. And even though interest rates have gone up, uh, money is starting to cost what money is supposed to cost anyway. You're supposed to put money in your savings account, and there's supposed to be some kind of interest derived from that uh five six percent is not a lot of money my mom worked for century 21 had the gold jacket back in the 70s she's she's selling homes at 18 percent interest rate back then and actually selling them selling the heck out of track housing why wouldn't you be uh also sold the daycare so good for you mom way to go with all that said 
Uh, are we in some bubble trouble right now? And Ron, I think bubble trouble. I went back to, I looked at a hundred years of real estate and bubbles in America. And the only time we had a real bubble that was catastrophic was 2006, seven and eight. You go back a hundred years, nothing was as catastrophic is really for some people. It was the great depression. It certainly was the great recession. I don't think we're headed into a great recession. We may be headed into a recession. You want to kind of head into a recession a little bit because uh, it's going to st- slow down inflation, and you certainly don't want to have stagflation like we did under Jimmy Carter in the 70s, right? So with all that said, with all that said, I don't know if we're going to go through a recession for five, six, seven years, but we could for a couple quarters as Americans are going back to work. We're trying to figure out how we're going to help the world when it comes to oil and our dependence on Russian oil. And as Russia begins to pull back, uh, we're seeing a lot more electric vehicles out there. So what does that mean for all of us is Ford has their new lightning out right now. It seems like a very exciting truck. In fact, if you bought one online and it gets delivered this spring, you could turn around and sell it for probably $85,000. That's amazing to me. Nonetheless, though, uh, bubble trouble. Are we in bubble trouble here, Ron? Are we in a bubble? Or do you think we're just in some kind of correction? Or... Is real estate just hammering forward? Uh, I think it might depend upon the part of the country that you live in. And there might be some bubbles in Ohio or Gary, Indiana or Detroit. I don't see a bubble here in Seattle. Not even close. I always like to, to tap the brakes a little bit on macro studies. Unless you're an economist, unless you're an academic, um, the macro trends are macro trends. And so what do I mean by that? Well, like you just mentioned a couple cities, if you're combining the, and aggregating pieces of data that include Oklahoma city or, you know, Canton, Ohio, uh, Detroit, Michigan, Lansing, uh, all of these places, Alabama, Mississippi, um, and you're taking all of that information and you're trying to find trend lines, well, that makes sense if you're the Fed. That makes sense if you're, uh, you know, raising an interest rate for an entire country. But in terms of of you and I sitting here in the Puget Sound area, I don't know if it, if it always applies. And even if you remember back to 2000, the eight, eight bubble that happened, Seattle was resistant to that for longer than almost any market in America. It still happened here. But it happened way out, like you would see bubbles pop in Phoenix and in, in Las Vegas and a lot of other cities, and we were still status quo. And so it doesn't mean when I read this study uh, on a national scale, it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen here. So let's talk about here. I think my answer, as always, is it depends. If you live in Hunts Point and your house is valued at $3.5 million, you're probably not going to be impacted by this very That's much. a cheap house in Hunts That's Point. a cheap house. So I would disagree, dollars. though. If you're on Hunts Point and you have a $12 million house, it might be worth $10 million. So I, I disagree with you on that. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not going to impact you in the same I way. I don't think there's a $3.5 million house on Hunts Point. All right. So let's say you live in Magnolia and your house is worth $2.5 million or $3 million. Now you're talking about language. So uh, is that person impacted the same way? 
as the blue collar worker in Gurney, Illinois, whose house is $179,000, or you're in Knoxville, Tennessee. Gurney, Illinois. Come on. I was born there. They're not $179,000. That's like a $79,000. Still $79,000? Still. I thought it was $79,000 back in the day. Back in the day, it was $34,000. $34,000. Yeah. So are those two types of people impacted differently by this it depends it depends it depends and so i but you're right it's not the the housing crisis of uh of 2008 and i just went back and watched the big short again like go watch that movie with steve carell uh it's it's really fascinating to just review it and rewatch it um that was built on different circumstances well and, and the difference is this uh banks have done a very good job at underwriting and so a lot of people that have loans uh, are going to keep those loans. So we're not going to see a lot of these loans go into default. Uh, the other thing is Americans right now have more equity in their homes than they have ever had. I think it's $34 trillion. It's an unbelievable amount of money. And so what people can do in a downtime where they lose their job or they think they're going to lose their job or they're having some kind of difficulty, they can tap into that money because that money's really there. One of the problems when you get a HELOC back in 08 is a lot of times you're tapping into equity that's fake equity that didn't exist. The equity now that you can tap into is actually real. And so it can keep you going if your family is having its own personal uh, recession or you lost a job or you're facing a medical issue because the homes appear that that's real. The other thing is this. People can now own second homes and third homes without giving those homes up and selling those. You think of people that live out in Suncadia. What do they do? I have a friend that bought a house out there two years ago for $500,000. It's a condo. That condo today is worth $1.2 million. There's the appreciation. Now what she does when she's not there is she lets the folks out there rent it out. So there's the cash flow. And then she gets the depreciation for 27 years. So that particular house out there where maybe if it got to $1.2, you'd sell it. Now, because of vacation rentals and the ability for people to buy single-family homes, and I do this all the time, I don't have to sell that home. I'm building a house right now that I bought for a million dollars. I'm going to be done with it in 10 weeks. It's going to be worth $3.7 million, this house. I'm not flipping that house or selling that house. I'm going to vacation rent that house and get, get cash flow depreciation and appreciation. Then I get 10 years down the road when the finishes start to get worn a little bit. And I say, you know what? Do I want to tear these finishes out? Because I'm not putting Thermidor stuff in there when it's going to be a vacation rental. I'm not putting $120,000 cabinets in the kitchen. I'm going to put GNS cabinets in there that are $11,000. But when you look at them, you'll think they're $120,000 because of the pulls that I put on the cabinets. So it fakes everybody out. I love it. The best real estate agents go in there and go, wow, these cabinets are amazing. Well, you know what? They're $11,000. So with all that said, we now have the ability to tie up real estate to own it and not sell it. And because of that, uh, it's one of the reasons why there's not a lot of homes for sale on the market. And that's not going to change anytime soon because people now have the ability, the wherewithal to turn around and lease and rent those homes out. All right. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. 
You're listening to episode 397. If you want to join the nation news, how can you do it? They go to ronandonsitdown.com. You can sign up for that. We uh, send it out a couple times a month. If you want to do a sit down with us and talk about your real estate journey, the thing that Don just said piqued your interest and you want to get in the game, uh, you can do ronandonsitdown.com or email me directly, ron at windermere.com. Yeah, and a lot of people contact us. I would say every home that we have sold this year is not turnkey. A lot of times there's stuff that we have to go in and do when we have the crews to do it. We have the leverage to do it, and we can get pricing that probably you can't, and we can get just get it done a lot sooner. As I shared earlier, we just brought a house to market that we had to bring to market in 10 days because we were buying a house across the street that wasn't even for sale. So we bought the house across the street, and now we're selling the house on the other side of the street so we can move across the street. Got all that done in 10 days, you guys. And we had to do a lot of work in the process, and we're willing to do it. We're willing to go to work for you, and we will get more for your door. We will get more for your door. Pisses me off when I drive by and I see for sale signs go up and up market. And the agent's like, we don't have to plant flowers. We don't have to mow this grass. We don't have to fix these curtains. We don't have to paint the outside. It was raining. You know what? You can paint in the rain. Uh, We're not going to tune it up on the inside. Yeah, if you tuned it up, you would have got more for that door. And they could have put more money in your pocket. And instead, what they do is they take that $30,000 check and they head to Cabo. And they have a little Cabo Wabo. And then next thing you know, they're out of money. And they come back and they sell another house. I'm amazed at the real estate agents that don't own real estate. First question you ask a real estate agent, how much real estate do you own? If they don't own any real estate, run like hell. Because they do not know how to build wealth. And they can't teach you to do it. Because the transaction really starts after you buy the home. Because now we have to figure out how can we Airbnb? How can we add an ADU? How can we add a backyard cottage? How can we hang on to this mortgage in five years from now? How can we go out and buy another home, another property, and really build wealth, not just make a lot of money? All right. Anyway, reach out to us, ronandonsitdown.com. You can write Ron directly if you want to sit down with us, ron at windermere.com. In the meantime, keep your head up, shoulders back, and we'll see you next time right here for episode 398 on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.